Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Enigma Zone. Today is October 3rd. I am coming to you from the coziness of my apartment. And it's very cloudy. It's been raining like crazy. But nevertheless, I'm back to you with the first episode in this October series. I don't know which one that is, but I might find a, I want to find a name for it, but we'll see. Anyway, I have a murder case for you today. And it's a very creepy one that I remember when this first happened. And even though I knew the gist of it, which is horrifying, I last night, it was brought back to my attention. And it involved not only just the murder, really, but a paranormal aspect, aftermath, a spiritual intervention or something. Something that is unexplainable. Fuck, I just ruined that. Unexplainable! Damn it! And enigmatic. Something fucking weird. I need to stop cursing. Anyway, welcome. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay, sorry if I blew off your eardrums. I just realized that the volume on the microphone was way up high. Anyway, this is the first episode in our October Halloween special. And this is the murder of three sweet little children by their parents. And I normally, to be frank with you, I like true crime, but I don't love listening to gory the gory details of the actual murders and the every process of it whether it's listening to it or recording it myself or really reading it um especially when it's about children but this came this case came back to me in a very strange manner last night and i'll tell you why okay well let me tell you the title of it basically so this case is about the john allen rubio murder case so before i get into it i'll tell you why i wanted to cover this case all right, so last night, we, Philip, myself, and I, and another, a couple of friends went out to celebrate one of my best friend's birthday. So we went out to dinner. We were having a great, grand old time having vegan brownies because my friend, she is um, a vegan, and they were really good, to be honest. They were, like, amazing. So her mom stopped by. So did her little sister. So they stopped by. We ate dinner and they stopped by pretty late just to say hello they had a bite as well and then they left her you know and we stayed there till pretty late but anyway during the conversation with her mom she we started all talking about paranormal how did that come up i it's a crazy thing for the most part i and i want to say this entire story for another occasion because my one friend the birthday girl she thinks that her house has been hexed or something because weird things have been happening, they have a business, and they it's not going the greatest. And they have multiple endeavors. They're pretty successful for the most part, but in the last couple of months, I think maybe a month or so, she says that things have been different. They've been weird around her house. Things have been going not well. And for reasons that maybe in, I want to have her someday on my podcast... She'll explain. She thinks her house has been like somebody did some witchy something. Not the good kind. The black kind or something on her house. On her property. Um, and 
my we were telling her like well maybe you should go get a priest have him cleanse it and i was telling her like well maybe what if you like light a candle and uh me you know with me and my uh, saint michael archangel michael he or she is i just have a lot of i'm very attached to the uh, see i sound fucking crazy um, i just have a lot of strong faith in the three archangels and other heavenly spiritual weird stuff um but i was telling her that or i was like well what if you go get like a pastor and they can bless your house and then my other friends like well what if you go get a lady that you know she knows how to do like witchcraft but not to do witchcraft obviously but um to cleanse your house supposedly how this friend knows that person she says that that lady read reads tarot cards she has like a business like i don't know if it's like an unofficial probably underground little business where she reads tarot cards and i don't know what else um uh yeah i don't i I don't like to i don't mind tarot cards and stuff like that but i personally don't want my cards read i don't want to know about my life or my future as weird as that might sound like i don't if it's something great that would be I mean, it's a fine, but I don't want to know when I die, if I die, if I get an illness. I don't want to know when my mom dies. I don't want to know when my dad dies. I just don't want, whether it's positive or negative to each their own, I don't mind. I don't have anything against them, but I don't, I would not want my cards read. But anyway, my other friend got her cards read by this one lady and she's like, she's completely accurate, blah, blah, blah. And she's also does, does houses cleansings and stuff like that. So maybe I'll give you her number. We can call her. Maybe we can go visit her and have her go to your house or tell her or tell you, read the cards for you to tell you whether somebody did indeed put like a, a little curse or something or hex on your, on your property, on your house, on your business. I don't know. Envious people. There's a bunch of those. So then i will let you know what happens with that because i told the two girls my two best friends i was like you guys need to do that tell me contact the lady go cleanse your house tell me what happens none of my friends don't have a podcast like none of them i think my sister might know but she doesn't really know she doesn't listen to any um obviously my fiance knows i have a podcast and he's on with me a lot of the time but none of my friends know so i would want to have her on just to tell us the story the outcome of everything so with that said how this case came back into my mind and wanting to cover it was because in the scheme of that uh, dinner conversation and a couple of glasses of wine, we came up with a topic of, oh, paranormal, you know, she wants to go get her house cleansed and we talked about ghosts and I shared an experience here. I think I have that episode. I'm, I'm not sure if I do because the audio was not good that great back then. Not that it is great right now, but of my brother having a haunted house um having a little girl ghost scare his kids and scratch him and it was a crazy crazy ass story and i will maybe make an episode about it again with better audio quality that doesn't involve my airpods um so it was i brought that up and my friend as well anyway well my my the birthday girl's mom she said that she bumped into an old friend or she was having her hair done. Something of that nature yesterday um, or this past couple of days when where this story was told to her. Um, and she mentioned this John Allen Rubio and the case. More than anything, she mentioned the house, that apartment complex. This murder happened in an apartment complex on East 8th Street and East Tyler Street in Brownsville, Texas. That was long-winded. I'm sorry. Um... 
and that after this murder case it was a very rundown building but i think to some considered in quotations historical so if i'm not mistaken i think there was a cup there was um for years after the murder happened in 2003 there was a bunch of disputes on whether to tear it down because the murders were horrifying and it was so gruesome and tragic and some people wanted it to tear down for that reason. Others didn't because it's considered historical in quotations. It, it was a piece of shit building, let's be honest. Run down. Nothing, it wasn't kept up or anything, but it was historical and in a historical downtown area part kind of thing of town. And so the paranormal aspect that my, my friend's mother brought up in the conversation was about that building and the aftermath. Maybe some residual energy. The way she described it, oh, I'm getting chills already, sweet Jesus. Was residual energy seen, heard by the neighbors, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. And that is supposedly still heard to this day. Um, I'm going to insert that paranormal part at the end. Because whether you're here because you like true crime and also paranormal or both or not, whatever it is. I Let me just say and clarify that. I'm just, I like talking about these cases. I like paranormal as well. And I don't want to tell you guys a story and then put the paranormal aspect of what locals say and be, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the victims, the sweet little children. May they be in heaven eating candy and jumping over rainbows and playing with puppies um, and the victims' families. I don't. But I also, I think there is a, for me personally, ethically i don't know i think there is a fine line when it comes to discussing true crime cases and then perhaps a paranormal event a reoccurrence that comes out of that paranormal case that people experience or they assure that they've seen um without being disrespectful so i think there is a fine line i don't ever want to come off disrespectful or anything like that even though i joke with you guys or whatever um so but i think it's fascinating and i want to include it in this with that said, that disclaimer, thank you for joining me and let's dive into the topic. So yes, this case came up because uh, she brought up that and I- I'm still thinking about it. It creeps me th- the hell out and oh my gosh, wait two guys here. Okay, so John Allen Rubio was 23 years old at the time. He was married to his wife, Angela Camacho, who was either 23 or 24 years old as well. They together shared a two-month-old baby, and Angela had two children from a prior relationship. So there was three children in total. The oldest was Julissa Casada, who was 14 months old. And then there was John E. Rubio Jr., the little baby boy, who was two, if I'm not mistaken, and the baby, Mary Jane Rubio, who was two months at the time. So... Okay, so I guess the two younger children were John Allen Rubio's kids. The oldest one was from a previous relationship. Let me clarify. So, okay, so on March 11th, 2003, one of the most gruesome crimes in Bronzeville, Texas happened. So, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I've made some episodes about different things happening around this particular city as a special place in my heart. It's crazy. It has a lot of historical a lot of history really it's i mentioned how 
there was two important battles of the Mexican-American War there. Um, it's on the Rio Grande River. It's a border town, an uh, impoverished town. Um, the Battle of Palo Alto and Resaca de la Palma took place there. It was the start of the Mexican-American War. Um, the downtown area, especially the university, which I went to, was built over Fort Brown, right across the river. And a lot of the old buildings of this university are still standing. It's a historical university, very beautiful, if you ever get the chance to visit this area. And um, they were from part of the original Fort Brown, the mortuary, the... Um, damn, I don't even remember a lot of them anymore, what they're called, but it was gorgeous. More than anything, in recent news, Brownsville has made some headlines here and there because it is this, basically the site of SpaceX in Boca Chica. Boca Chica is not in Brownsville exactly, but technically everybody's like it's part of Brownsville because it's a beach that is southeast. That is southeast of the city and basically Elon Musk's new center for SpaceX. So it's been in the news because of that. But this case occurred, like I said, March 11th, 2003, when 23-year-old John Allen Rubio and Angela Camacho killed their children. It was horrifying. So this occurred on the corner of Tyler and 8th Street. And it's blocks away. It's like a block yeah, like a block away from the police station, and a, and like in this on the same street, guys, as the county jail. Like it's right, like you walk three minutes and it's right there. So it, it was on a corner. It was a white building. It was about two to three floors tall. Um, very old, historical in quotations. So everything went down when one apparently I've heard several things. One was that the roommate of this couple and the children who was supposedly, I read, allegedly a transgender or trans... They used the word transvestite because this was back then. So, no judgment. I'm not trying to offend anybody. And that they arrived and they tried to knock on the door. And when John Allen Rubio opened the door, he was really kind of drugged out of his mind. John Allen Rubio at one point attended Central Middle School in Brownsville. Um, I think Angelica Macho was originally from Mexico and they, you know, it's a border town, so everybody goes and comes and whatnot. But Rubio was born and raised in Brownsville to, um, an impoverished family and one with issues, severe issues of alleged drug abuse and alcoholism and mental illness and whatnot. So when the roommate came in, he noticed that John Allen was super, he was high on spray paint. Apparently that was one of his choice methods of uh, using drugs. And he kind of didn't let him in the apartment and shut him out. I think either later that day or whatnot, John Allen's brother and his and the brother's girlfriend, as I've read on some articles, arrived at the apartment complex and they made their way in there. They were invited. I don't know. They noticed there was blood everywhere. It, the, the apartment was disgusting. Police state that it was like ransacked. There were old... Um, uh, grocery store carts all over the place, uh, dirty stuff, 
it was a squalor. It looked like a homeless place. And they noticed that there were three dead children without heads. And they screamed and ran out of the apartment complex. Okay, so this was Tuesday evening. I've just recently read, had my notes. So this couple ran out and flagged down a police officer that was on a call for something else in that area. The police officer, you know, asked this these two, this man and the woman, like, what's wrong? They were hysterical, crying. They were just out of their mind, screaming, the children don't have heads. The babies don't have heads. They don't have heads. They're headless. Help, 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 help in Spanish, and the officer, I'm sure, was taken aback, and this, um, if you search up this case on YouTube, you can find an interview with investigators recounting the occurrence, um, but the police officer, whose last name was Lucio, if I'm not mistaken, got them into the back of their his vehicle, and they drove to the apartment complex on East Tyler Street, and walked in it was a one-bedroom apartment he states that he called for backup right away before even entering um and that the place was disgusting it was a it was just horrible and that john allen rubio and his common law wife angela were sitting there in a trance like state so they were both apparently were known to be drug addicts very volatile um in a terrible abusive relationship of every sort per the neighbors allegedly and they didn't seem to be resisting or anything like that that the officer states they basically confirmed right then and they're like yeah you we did it you know they were um i think they were completely drugged out of their mind and as the officer made it their way, his way, and I'm assuming backup was there as well, made their way to uh, several rooms in the apartment, they noticed a two-year-old's on a bed, the baby, John Rubio Jr., was decapitated, <laughs> either on the floor near the bed or on the bed and that the police basically state that he thought it was a doll like he thought the 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 body was nude he thought it wasn't real that it was just a baby doll without a head until he got very close to the the child and noticed the cuts or you know the imperfect as he called jagged cuts around his neck the head was nowhere to be found around that that area he was just horrified um it was not really covered in blood um the way i read was that it seemed like the bodies were either cleaned up and this was later confirmed by both assailants um he later as he made his way more to the into the apartment in the back of the apartment he noticed he found two bodies in a plastic trash bag. The bodies of their old, older three-year-old girl and the two-month-old baby in there. 
as well, headless. And I've read that they found the heads, I think it was in another trash bag behind some furniture. I've also read that it was behind a crib. And it was a horrific, horrific scene. Just prior to finding the other two bodies, the investigators state that they the apartment smelled severely of bleach. So investigators did verify that the couple were in the middle of cleaning up and getting rid of the evidence. And in the moment when they walked in and noted, saw the crime scene, the John Allen and the girlfriend Angela were completely out of their mind in a trance like zombies. They were taken in. And I think if things don't aren't horrifying as it is, oh my gosh, yeah. The testimony that John Allen Rubio gave during, I want to say, the trial or questioning was even worse. And I knew about this case, like I said. I had heard of it when I am from the state of Texas, when it happened. I knew that they were decapitated. It was horrible. And obviously, that was terrifying on its own. But last night, after this conversation with my friends, I... try to do i in quotations did my research and looked up a bunch of stuff it was very difficult to find a lot of things about this case there's no um wikipedia page or anything like that i know wikipedia is not a reliable technically in quotations a reliable source but it does lead to good notations and for the most part it's for a summary it's informative i couldn't really find that much information of the entire case on other websites or anything like that you can find some things here and there mainly articles um each have a bit of different things in it so i'm just it's shocking how not well known this case is and how despite it's such horrible tragedy but like i said i did i was able to come across the testimony written testimony of john allen rubio describing why how the murders happen so they verified that the children the three children were killed monday night on march 10th and the discovery was um march 11th evening of 2003 uh he stated that they were basically i don't know whether he's acknowledged that he was on drugs but the way he talked and the way he gave the testimony and kind of the, fa- I want to call it in quotations, this is my personal opinion, the facade that he kept up was kind of, tr- a lot of people felt like he was trying to make himself look mentally insane. That way he wouldn't be given the full extent of the law for a sane, if, if that's even possible, murder. He basically recounted how... The children were demonic. They were evil. That on the night of the murder, they his old. It started with his oldest daughter, his stepdaughter, Julissa, the three-year-old, and she was started growling at him repeatedly, speaking in tongues. That it was a 
devil, basically, he said. And they, the devil made me do it, in quotation, kind of um, story. And that he proceeded to try to choke the little girl when she wouldn't stop um, being possessed, like he said. That he repeatedly stabbed her. She was stabbed a myriad of times. I want to say maybe at least eight times in the chest and in the face. And was then decapitated with a kitchen knife when she wouldn't die. Um, prior to the th what led really to this event, I read in one and I want to know, I, I wish I would have taken a note. What I read that it all started because he was killing the children's pets. He was killing their hamster, I read. That the little girl found him killing the hamster. Oh, poor hamster, too. That, and he said that they were, the hamsters were possessed as well. That they were demons and I don't know what else. And the little girl, the stepdaughter saw him and was like what are you doing you know and it was so horrible guys it was so horrible because the testimony states how he repeatedly um um stabbed the three-year-old and i mean she was three she you know she was able to hold a conversation she's a typical three-year-old you know she screamed for her mom to help her um please don't let dad do it let let me go help me you know um and that the mom, Angela, even at one point held her down so he would stab her. So they were both out of their freaking mind. And it was horrible, horrible. Like, it was horrible, guys. Horrible to read. Oh, my gosh. I think I even had a nightmare about it last night. After she was murdered, then came in the two-month-old oh my god i don't think I've, I've i've read or looked up or researched whatever you want to call it a case that i don't know that i have yet covered that dis hasn't dis that has disturbed me as much as this one they're all terribly disturbing and tragic um but this one was just oh my oh my goodness so once the three-year-old little girl was dead, they killed the two-month-old baby girl. Remember, the two-month-old little girl, the baby, and the two-year-old boy were John Allen Rubio's um, biological children. But he, people say, family, locals, neighbors say that he always considered um, the older little girl, the three-year-old, Julissa, to be one of his own uh and it, I don't know. They were all horrible. Anyway, so again, he states how the two-year-old was also possessed. He was a demon. All of this testimony, if I hadn't said, said it before, it comes from John Allen himself. I, I haven't read anywhere um, a testimony of the events of how they occurred from Angela Camacho's, I guess, own mouth. It's all from John Allen. He then said that they, again, the two-year-old was possessed. He was a demon. They proceeded to try to stab the two-year-old with an, a kitchen knife. And they tried to 
decapitate the baby. And when if they, I've read one part or an excerpt where it was too difficult. He literally said that he proceeded to rip the baby's head off. He he ripped it. That part was hor. I felt sick afterwards. Like everything is, I all I, everything made me feel sick. But that part was just, I don't know. It was, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know the details. It, it was, it was, it's bad. The baby's body was put in a trash bag alongside her older sister, and the heads were then also put in separate, also together in separate bag. But he did confess that prior to doing so, after killing the two little girls, that he gave the bodies to Angela and that she ran to the kitchen and proceeded to wash off all of the blood, as much blood as she could from the bodies, and then put them in the bag. And last came the two-year-old little boy, John Jr., basically that he again he's john allen said that he was he needed to kill them he needed to because they were they were evil they were all all evil and the same thing he they both held the child down and repeatedly stabbed the child and decapitated the baby the and angela got the body and ran to the kitchen and washed it unlike the two little girls, the little boy's body wasn't put in a plastic bag, but it was left by the bed. And that's where it was found the next evening by the police officer and John Allen's brother. And, um, even, oh my gosh. And after this, they basically were not totally insane as they kind of, I think, and a lot of people think they try to portray themselves to be because they were aware that they did something really bad, that they were going to go to a prison for it, that um, they it was already a countdown on when they would get caught, basically. They proceeded to have sex that evening. Um, apparently, John Allen told Angela, let's, you know, let's, have sex one last time because we don't know when we'll, we'll if when or if we'll ever get a chance to again um so there comes the question and where a lot of people claim like it's bs that he's mentally insane because obviously he knew what he was doing and she did too so per the autopsy report um, it states that the children were both stabbed, suffocated, and decapitated. Um, and the time they were, that I, what I understood when they began to decapitate them, that they were not dead. That's what I understood. Uh, one child suffered more than 20 stab wounds, and another had a broken, broken ribs and a vertebrae. One of the police officers states that Rubio told them, I killed my daughter because she was talking evil to me. She was a demon. Uh, during the trial, 
they were obviously held a trial and it was pretty eventful for that city and the investigators uh the evidence they stated that the crime was there was so much blood even though they were in the process of cleaning it up that it soaked through all of the things like even the cement of the building they also state that Rubio broke two knives and bent a third while he was decapitating his three kids. And like I mentioned, if you look up pictures, if you even look up video of the two in trial, Angela Camacho looks completely demented. Like she, I don't know if that's the shtick they, her and the attorneys were trying to pass in order to get a lesser sentence, in order to be declared mentally incompetent to stand trial but and john allen as well but uh, you know a lot of people think that it's bs and angela was actually declared to be competent enough to stand trial and both of them really were one, I've read that John Allen apparently was supposedly, in quotations, diagnosed with, I think it was paranoid schizophrenia. It's schizophrenia of some sort. But that was supposedly disputed and found out not to be true. Because, again, he didn't want to get the death penalty and all of that stuff. One of the witnesses that saw the crime scene, which I'm assuming is the brother's girlfriend or the female com companion that found the bodies on the evening of march 11th if i'm not mistaken um was the name her name is mary elena alvarez and she was one of the seven people that testified uh, other people that testified were the roommate like i mentioned it was they said he, um she was transgender uh, that she was a prostitute and also a drug uh, addict who lived in that one-bedroom apartment. Apparently, Rubio's grandmother was also said to allegedly be a prostitute and a drug addict who also shared that apartment with them. So, basically, well, the Mary Ellen Alvarez, the person that did not live there but found the bodies with John Allen's brother, said that they entered and they found one of the bodies, that the body of the baby, in quotations, this is what she said, it was a child's body, very hard and yellow and without a head. And she spoke through tears. Police officers also stated that when in the scene that Rubio stood at one point in front of them, basically put his arms out to them and told them, here, arrest me. So the prosecution basically disputed the fact that they were not mentally unstable in that sense. Were they drug addicts and other stuff? Yeah. Neighbors apparently were very well-versed with these two people, with John Allen Rubio and his wife, Angela, because they often heard a lot of commotion, a lot of violence coming from that apartment complex, from that building. Um, they often supposedly called the police because of uh, domestic violence between the two. And um, some of the neighbors said how they had seen the children play a lot of the time and the children's grandmother, John Allen's... Um, Mother, I think, testified 
No, it was, I think it might have been, I think it was Angela's mother testified that she left the children. She was absolutely heartbroken and shocked at what happened, what they did. And, you know, they never thought this could be possible. Apparently also, some people think that, or it was put forth that they knew what they were doing, that they were not crazy in quotations, you know, um, that they were basically just... I don't want to say they were overstressed. They weren't trying to find an excuse for them. But there were other factors that probably they think led them to kill their children, such as the fact that they were severely impoverished. They were allegedly drug addicts. They were, um, you know, they had bills to pay. Even if they live in this type of run-down, inhabitable building, they all that was coming up supposedly they did ha- receive government assistance in the form of food stamps and that was supposedly i read being cut back and that led them to freak out and all of that not just that alone all of it like and kill their kids so they think that was just something they made up that the kids were possessed and maybe maybe but also at the same time if he was high on spray paint allegedly and a bunch of other stuff god knows what um Maybe that's what he did see the kids, you know, in his drug binge, but not saying that that was real or that that was justifiable. No, not at all, at all. But he was, they were high as a kite. So obviously, with such an overwhelming amount of evidence, the two were convicted to the full extent of the law and thrown in prison however the community was left with such horrible trauma such horrible memories and neighbors the extended family the shock of it all the locals like what is this i once met somebody who was a teacher and who was um she she mentioned how she had him as a student and that he was very handsome and very well behaved and lovely and she was shocked how he did that he she never expected him or saw that or thought he would be any like that at all surprisingly in 2010 if i'm not mistaken 2007 sorry it was ruled that the through the state court of appeals that the conviction for John Allen Rubio was overturned because apparently Angela Camacho, the wife, was used as a witness and evidence to convict him. And apparently, for some legal reason or another, that was considered illegal. And that conviction was overturned. But, of course, he wasn't going to walk free, so... He was, I guess, retried and convicted again for a second time in 2007. Sorry, he was convicted first in 2003, and then it was overturned. And again, in 2007, he was convicted for a second time. Let me see. No, sorry. 2010. Okay, he was convicted in 2003. Then in 2007, it was overturned because Angela was used as evidence and that was supposedly a no-go. 
in 2010 he was convicted again sentenced to life in prison and as far as i know i want to say he's on death row because he's basically could fit to stand trial he's currently still in prison serving a life sentence um and the children are gone there's nothing left of them they never had a chance they suffer such a horrifying horrifying death horrifying torture on at the hands of the two people that you know one trusts knowingly or not to care for them and love them unconditionally and protect them from the world and others you know so rest in peace to the little three children and Let's hope that those two, you know, they paid for what they did in this life. I don't know. We'll see what happens to them. So in this portion, I will go ahead and talk about the second part, the paranormal part, the history, historical dispute, apparently, between the historical association, I think, allegedly. I'm going to say allegedly. I don't know. Um, and the community, really, I think. Okay, so I mentioned I went to school here in the city uh, to university and or college. I don't know why I keep saying university. To the college. And I studied history. So when I was there, I remember the building still stood, the apartment complex. It's on East Tyler and East 8th Street. And I remember one of my professors telling me how there was such a big fuzz. There was a big dispute because locals wanted this building torn down. It's a building of such horror, such torture, such heartbreak. It's terrifying and creepy. It's like, especially the neighbors right next door across the street, there's houses. You know, it's just a normal, poor, but normal neighborhood, you know? And they wanted that building gone it was run down after this happened it was closed off people left obviously trinkets and like little memorials little flowers uh little toys candles oh my god i'm already getting goosebumps just thinking of what i'm gonna tell you guys okay and it was closed off it was taped off it was run down falling apart So nobody lived there, apparently. They kicked everybody out. Like, I don't think nobody lived there after 2003, after this happened. So my professor said that there was a big deal because the community wanted torn down. And rightly so. It was torn down. They wanted to tear it down. It was just a horrible building. It was an ugly sight to see. Ugly story. Ugly memory. And... No, it wasn't being used. It was just trashed. It was abandoned. It was falling apart. So why keep something so horrifying there, you know? If it's just run down and sitting there collecting dust. So apparently the Historical Association or Society of Brownsville, I heard, I don't know if this is true, my opinion allegedly again, that they didn't want to tear it down. They they fought, they stood their ground for a long time because... It was a historical building. It's in the 
downtown area of Brownsville. Again, it's very, it's it's considered historical because it's a it's a border town. More than anything, it was the land where Zachary Taylor marched his armies and fought, began the Mexican-American War. The Fort Brown stood there. It's historical in nature. And they, because of that, I heard through the grapevine that that building stood there until 2016, untouched. A lot of, like I said, nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to obviously live there remodel it people just don't want to look at it it was just a horrible thing you know and why is it there just rip it tear it to the ground and supposedly he said the historical allegedly the historical society said no so i would say that he would he had the ins and outs of it right because he was like a history professor allegedly and that was the thing. So he asked us, like, I remember him asking us that question, like, what do you prefer? What do you guys think as history, as studying history and all that stuff? Do you think that a place, regardless of its, the history, regardless of the tragedy, regardless of what it has seen, the walls I've seen, do you think it should be torn down in this type of case? Because murders happened here it was so brutal um the community obviously is very upset at having to look at this you know run down thing and being reminded of it bad bad stuff uh or do you want or do you would you stand your ground because it is a historical building because maybe, maybe in the future they can remodel it. They can save it. It was like, a, it wasn't, it, there was nothing to be saved. Downtown Brownsville is basically abandoned at this point with the whole SpaceX. Um, to my friends, college uh, friends. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, it was choking. Uh, basically say that they're trying to remodel downtown. Because um, Elon donated a lot of money and whatnot. If you go downtown, it's like, it's abandoned small it's just nothing there it's all run down full of homeless people and prostitutes and god knows what so there are other buildings there downtown that i think have more potential at any point to be remodeled and refurbished and kept for historical uh reasons but that one for the most part not that one for the most part i thought then like Back then, I thought, yeah, I think it should stand. Not that particular building, but most buildings. Because if you think about it, every place we are in, every place we stand, most buildings have seen horrible stuff, you know? So that's part of the history, you know? I've always said, and Philip has always, you know, he agree I think he agrees with me that history should be told as how it was and preserved regardless of how brutal and unkind it was or was not um, because that's how it is that's how it was you know but when it comes to this particular building then after a while I was like yeah just no just tear it to shreds you know more than anything that building was in such bad condition that it was literally falling it was literally falling apart it was a cement building a brick building it was white um if you google it john allen rubio you you'll find pictures of that building um it was pretty big it was a rundown apartment like completely and if i think if the community doesn't really 
wanted whatsoever and because it brings back such bad memories just rip it down like i said there's other places downtown that you can invest and remodel and save for historical purposes if that's really what you what you or like this the city wants to do so in 2016 it finally was demolished i don't know i guess they made an agreement i don't know what happened they demolished that building in Tyler Strait and they turned it into a little garden, into a little park. And not too long ago, I went down there and as I was going through the university, I passed by there. Um, and it is, it's super cute. It, they named it the Three Angeles Park, which means the Three Angels, Angels' Park. And they have little benches, they have flowers, they, um, I think they have like a little gazebo. And it's in memory of the three children. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, in a way, I mean, what else can you do? Like, it's pretty fitting. Like, what else can you make out of such a tragic spot? Can you imagine the, the energy that is left behind, which I'm going to get into, or, and all of that? Like, I don't think anybody would want to build a house there, or, you know, live there, or build even, like, a store there. I mean, it's just so creepy, you know? The land there just, for what it was, for what they did, it's really, like, it's cursed. Not because it that made them do it. No, because what they did is something horrible, like, horrifying, that is unjustifiable, and it's horrible what humans do. Alright, so October 2nd, 2001. This is my story when it comes to this case and this build, this building in particular. So like I was saying, my friend's mom basically was telling us a story that last night that one of her friends either lived around that area or their neighbors or some family member lived around that block near next to that building to the building that was demolished and the way she talked about it i took it that all this was witnessed and heard when the building was still standing back prior to 2016. um she basically told us that that place is haunted that it was haunted I think she was confused. I think she meant she talked about the building like it still st stood there, but I it has been demolished. It was torn down in 2016, so I I think it, she meant prior. So she says that one of her friends used to know somebody or either live there, something of that nature. I'm not making it up, but that's what I was told. That that place is haunted. That around 1 a.m. every night, the neighbors could hear screaming. Ugh, I'm getting goosebumps. Maybe I should turn on the light. That the neighbor would hear screaming. Children screaming. And it was... It seemed to be residual. That she'd say, Yeah, it's really haunted. The neighbors all... They all, like, left. They all don't want to live there, either in the building or around that area. Like, they are creeped out they say that they are sure that it is haunted because around 1 a.m either every night or most nights i don't know like they hear the kids the three kids scream as they are being killed 
And obviously this happened. Oh, my skin is like chicken skin. And this happened in 2003. So what I understood, I, I took it as it being residual. And she, residual um, paranormal stuff, you know, uh, energy, activity. And she said, yeah, they, they hear the screaming. And they also see the children, like, on the windows, like, running past the windows or or on the windows of the old abandoned building. And keep in mind that after 2003, as far as I know, and as far as we were told, this building was abandoned. There was no other residents that were allowed to live there. It was closed off to the public, just left there to rot. And she said that neighbors would hear and see that. And she said that some people would park near um, in their cars um, near the building and were next to it just to witness it and that they had experienced that as well that they would see shadows of the children in the windows running across and more than anything they would hear screaming <sighs> and she also mentioned how the you could also see the children running across the street like by me when i talk about the children is like the the three little obviously the two month old was a baby that's impossible to run but I took it as the older two that they would you could see their ghosts run and you could hear them screaming for their life and the neighbors were completely completely spooked they that was a I'm sure I'm assuming I'm sure that was another reason why they didn't want that building to stand anymore they imagine living right next to it or in front of it oh my god no I wouldn't want to live there Oh no, like, oh, that's so creepy. That they were, all the people left the building, the the people were around the building, they didn't want to live there anymore. They would complain a lot to, I don't know, I guess, to each other, to the city, to tear it down because there was so much paranormal activity, allegedly, that was witnessed and heard night after night coming from that rundown, murderous place. And when she told me that story last night, she was telling us, I was just so freaked out. I was like, no way. Because that's the first time I've ever heard of that. Like I've, like I said, I heard of this case, but I never heard of that. There being paranormal. Whether it's true or not, you take it, take it with a grain of salt, like I always say. But, you know, sometimes people tend to embellish things and, you know, the lore and the folklore and the storytelling it changes and from one person to another the story is like completely different so maybe it's something somebody thought they saw or but whatnot but i mean if you believe in the paranormal you would i mean i believe that there is something exists that is not um just us um i've heard i've never seen anything thankfully but i've heard stuff and if you haven't heard my last episode, go check it out because I captured an EVP uh, voice in my ep one of my episodes that said hello. And I played for you guys. It's my last episode titled my first EVP and like something else. So uh, that was creepy. That was here in my house. Oh, that was terrifying. So when she was telling us that story, like like I, I've I've never seen anything, but I've heard things. And I felt things and I've had family members and loved ones, friends who have had experiences, who have seen things, who have been scratched, who have been touched, who have been scared in their house 
or have had things happen that they cannot explain and that we can't explain and that they swear like i'm not like that they're not lying like that it's true and they're fine people you know you i personally trust and i know their character and how they are and i wouldn't think that they'd be lying to me so i believe that there is something out otherworldly and to hear this it was terrifying and then i thought to myself maybe i should go and and see around there you know go down there and drag phil with me but then i remember like because she like i mentioned my friend's mom was telling me like telling the story like if the building was still standing but then i was like thinking afterward i kept thinking about this case all evening after and on the way home and and right before bed i was reading about it and trying to watch as many youtube videos as i could on it to for this episode and it was just more than anything it was just like stuck in my head and that part the paranormal party was really really creepy terrifying i thought i thought of one moment like before i remembered that the building was torn out i thought like maybe i should go and not like we break in or of course not we don't do illegal stuff but maybe we can stand by and see you know maybe like one in the morning 12 see if then if we see anything or hear anything but um then i remembered it was torn down and there was a garden built instead so i don't know maybe maybe it'll stay on the land the paranormal energy the 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 horror of that night that plays again and again um so maybe i don't know maybe if you go there to that little park it's open it's, there, there's no it's not gated i don't think or anything maybe you see things maybe you capture things or investigate things i mean um investigate things you go you can go investigate and maybe you capture things so well who knows maybe we can visit one day so that's the story of the horrible murders of john allen rubio and angelica macho killing their three little children in brownsville texas but like i said before i close out um you know i i find it fast i find paranormal fascinating i believe there's something there i I like to listen to and talk about shared true crime stories and things like that, but I don't want to, I don't mean it to be disrespectful, including the paranormal aspect. This is just what locals say, like what we've heard either firsthand. And a lot of the time, maybe they, they, maybe they imagine things or maybe they embellish for the heck of it, as horrible as that might be. Um, but I think there is some truth to most things. If you keep hearing the, the same thing or similar things from different people over years, like, there must be something there, you know? And that's something, an enigmatic thing that who knows will ever be proved with, um, anyway in, where we can see it with our own eyes. So... Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't checked out my other episodes, please do so. Um, subscribe to this podcast if you're on like CastBox or something or Apple Podcasts. And I will talk to you soon. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is L-O-R-A-E-T-C, Laura, etc. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great beginning of October. Go get your pumpkin spice. I mean, I don't love pumpkin spice, but that much. So maybe next time I have one on hand. All right. Bye, guys.